Happy New Year and welcome to Free Trails Rollout of the 2023 Trail Runner of the Year Award presented by Ketone IQ. I'm your host, Dylan Bowman, and for the first 10 days of 2024, we will be counting down the top 10 trail athletes in the world for both men and women, as was voted on by a thousand trail running fans from around the world. Together with the athletes, we recount their seasons, contemplate highs and lows, meditate on some learnings, and look ahead to their goals for the future. As I said, Trail Runner of the Year is presented by Ketone IQ, the game-changing ketone supplement that is taking the endurance world by storm. You'll hear more from them later, but please visit the show notes for a link you can use for 30% off your first subscription of this amazing product. It's hvmn.com forward slash free trail 30. And again, that link is in the show notes. Today, we are joined by the number nine trail runners of the year, Tyler Green from Portland, Oregon, and Ruth Croft from New Zealand. Tyler Green, Mr. Reliable, Captain Consistent, another amazing season highlighted by a third place performance at Trans Grand Canaria, another second place at Western States, a second runner up finish at North America's most important race, and a strong seventh place at UTMB. Ruth Croft, the first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the greats of our generation. She raced six times in 2023, taking home four victories, including a huge one to end the year at Ultra Trail Cape Town. Congrats to Tyler and Ruth. We'll play the interviews back to back in that order. And we'll be back again tomorrow with number eight. Tyler Green, welcome back to the show. Congratulations. Ninth place trail runner of the year. Good to see you, buddy. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Good to see you too. Um, beginning maybe in a weird place here, Tyler, the subject okay. of, of recognition. I feel like you have been the king of flying under the radar. Obviously you've had a spectacular career, especially like the last three or four years. You're one of the most consistent performers in the world, but you're not the type of person who's posting all the time on social media. You've been overlooked in a lot of cases for, you know, like I know, I remember at least one example with like you, Roy, that where I felt like you were overlooked. I know like pre-race interviews, a lot of the times you fly under the radar. So just starting there with the subject of recognition, you know, the global trail running fandom has voted you top 10 trail runner of the year. How does it feel? Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I, the recognition thing I, we used to, Rachel and I used to get upset. We were like, Oh, no one's ever asked us for it to be on a podcast. And that went on for a few years and I think that's okay. Like, I mean, I think one of the, one of the challenges is like, I think I've had a really solid season without like the win. Um, and that, that, that kind of affects it's yeah it's like one it's a really solid season but i'm i'm still kind of searching for that big win so um maybe that that will kind of get the eyeballs there but regardless like i'm very happy with with how i'm racing and how i want to continue to race yeah well that's a really interesting point you know like being super dependable consistent performer but without the marquee victory at a western states or at a utmb for example but it is great that you know you're not flying under the radar anymore and that you know that consistency is now being recognized by the global trail running community tyler green number nine here in this year's voting talking about western states first your second runner-up finish i was just thinking from memory who has multiple podium 
finishes at Western States. And the only ones I could come up with, you know, outside of the people who've won multiple times are Seth Swanson and Nick Clark. You may know other people off the top of your head. Uh, yeah, Mark Mark Hammond is another Mark one. Mark Hammond, just... another good one. Yeah. Um, maybe just reflect quickly on the four-year journey you've had with Western States from 14th place to second place to fourth place, just off the podium. You almost got three podiums there yeah. and then another <laughs> second place this year. Talk about that, the arc of that journey and, you know, whether or not you intend to continue that journey in 2024. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that race has obviously like captured my imagination and my excitement for so many years before I even was able to race it. I know many people are in that same boat. Um, but yeah, it's been, um, a learning experience. And I think one of the cool things that I've discovered about myself there is that I can race in a number of different environments. I like last year I was getting really worried because it wasn't getting hot and I wanted like that kind of carnage. And I knew that I had to approach it in a different way. And I think that that was a cool, like indicator of my growth as a, as a hundred mile runner, as a Western States runner that like the first year that I did it, I was 14th on a really cold year and knew that I had to adjust my my racing strategy to make it work. And I mean, that was, that was something that we practiced. Like my coach kind of wrote up a training plan that was like, you're going to warm up for two minutes and then you're going to go straight up a hill really hard, you know? So there's no warm up sort of thing, the type of thing that you have to do on the escarpment, just the, and, and how much physiological benefit there is. I don't know, but the mental approach of just like getting out and getting out and towards the front early on was, was really powerful for me. So, um, yeah, that was just a cool, like cool record or, uh, realization that I could, that I can race in a few different ways and not just like hunt from the back. Um, you know, probably let that, let it get away from me a little bit in the canyons or so when Dakota and Tom got away a little bit, but felt like I was racing, racing smart. So yeah, that'd be the, the goal in the future would be to shorten that up, shorten up any gaps towards the front. So, so cool. Of those four finishes, do you view the 2023 finish as your best? Uh, yeah, that was probably, I mean, I, I never imagined, well, it was always a, a pipe dream to be thinking of like being in the top 10, um, of times and I'm 11th. Though I think like they 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 lengthened up that start line, and it was like twenty <laughs> seconds that I'm behind Ryan Sands in tenth. So, but there's a you know who knows. <laughs> there's all there was a, there was another course change. You can't get too much into the into yeah into that. But, um, but I think like like the time that I ran as I was running, I was like, gosh, can I get into sub fifteen? And was knocking on the door of it, and that's just yeah, it's. I think it's my best run and the one that I'm most proud of, but it, it stands on the shoulders of those other races. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. So then moving to UTMB for those who can't remember, I'd love for you to just kind of recount the final stretch from Valor scene to the finish, because I think it's illustrative of Tyler Green's <laughs> racing style and your, well, you know, what sort of makes you special as a competitor. Yeah. Well, and prior to that, like, I mean, Baptiste uh, and I were running in 10th and 11th, from Triant, from no, oh, even earlier than that, we were we were racing together like from La Folie, 
And, uh, and it just went back and forth and I was descending better and he was climbing better. And so it, it just went like that. And when I got to the top of the climb out of Triant, I actually took a, a wrong turn and someone yelled to me, like just some random hikers that just happened to be there. And I had to climb maybe 200 feet back up quarter mile or something like that. Lost that lead that I was trying to build on the descent. And then and then started to like bonk and feel woozy and just like got my nutrition sorted and got back into descending into, into Valor scene and was able to catch up to Baptiste. But the goal there was to have a big gap on, on Baptiste at that time. So it was a frustrating time, but it was cool to at least have caught up with him. So then it was just that one of it, at that point, it just felt like one of us was going to be 10th and one of us was going to be 11th. <laughs> And, and we were going at it. And so we ran all the way to, um, oh, what's the name of the, um, Col de Montets. Yeah. We ran that entire stretch together. Like I, I just stood right, stayed right behind him because I knew if I could keep it close, I could get him on the descent. Um, and he like took out some food and started eating and I was just like attack. <laughs> uh, and so, and so from that climb, all that, that first that first little climb and then the steep descent, like I could hear him in the distance, hear him um, behind me uh, or hear people cheering for, for him behind me rather. And then uh, on that descent, like I'd just been descending like so well, so yeah. strong all day long. And it felt like a superpower that my quads were still with me and everything. And even on technical stuff. So at that point I had some, it was silent and, and I knew that I had a good enough gap that I felt like I could hold it. And then I started hearing this cheering up ahead. <laughs> I'm like, oh, wait a second. This just, this it's not confused. over. It's not over. Yeah. And passed, passed, passed Scotty, um, and then heard cheering again and ended up catching Arthur, um, at, at the top of, um, the Flagere. La Flagere. Um, yeah, caught him there. But I could see, I could see Hannes not too far up the way as well. Or I mean, he was quite a ways up when I was climbing, but I could see him and I was like, he's within contact if I can descend well. <laughs> um, so that, and that was just so, such a fun descent. And I was just like, just felt like an animal. But when I got to him, <laughs> I, he didn't know I was back there. There were people cheering, of course, that are on the trail. And I like put my fingers to my lips and said, quiet, quiet. I don't want him to know that I'm here. <laughs> and uh, and then when I when I passed him, kind of went up on a on a berm, similar to what like the gym, the classic gym yeah. Zach moment when when Jim passed Zach. Um, and he kind of like goes, ah, darn. <laughs> and and then just pedal to the floor that was like right at La Floria. So, you know, whatever, two miles out from the finish line and then just pedal to the floor as hard as I could go. Don't look back. Um, in town, I saw someone that I knew and I was like, look behind, do you see anyone? He's like, I don't see anyone. I was like, I think I'm okay. So, but it was just, I mean, the, it was, what that's was so insane, exciting. dude. I mean, yeah, so, so for our listeners going from 11th to seventh from Valor scene to the finish at UTMB, Absolutely incredible closure from you, Tyler Green. I'm sorry if I cut you off there. No, no, that's that's fine. I mean, just the, the funnest type of racing you can have. and uh, Funnest? Like oh my God, that sounds miserable, I guess. But this is actually <laughs> something that I wanted to ask you about. Like, 
the difference between being the one who's gaining spots versus being the one who's losing spots at the end of races. You're always the one who's gaining spots. Is that a reflection of strategy or mindset or a combination of the two? Um, I think that's, I think there's, we bring two things into a race. We bring our fitness and that's what everybody's talking about at the beginning of a race and all the prognostications and stuff, but people talk less about like execution. And I think that the execution is where, is where you make up those spots like late in a race, um, and can kind of eat up people who, who haven't executed correctly, not to like with full respect to any competitor that I've ever passed because, you know, everybody runs their own race and some people are like going out for first place. And my approach with races is, is to go from the start line to the finish line in the fastest way possible and to use my racing strategy to make that happen. Um, I think that puts me in a bind where like, like I said, like I'm not winning or I'm not, I'm not all, I'm rarely in the, in the mix in the hunt for, or in first place, like going for the win. And maybe that's a, something I need to dabble with. Yeah. Interesting. All right. So then the natural question is, Second place at Western States, seventh at UTMB, an amazing thing to hang your hat on. You, Leah Yingling, and Matthew Blanchard all were able to finish in the top 10 of both races. Learnings from that as you reflect it here at the end of the year, and you know, it's because it is difficult to thread the needle and do that double perfectly. How do you think that you performed in that respect and anything you learned as a result? the biggest learning I had was, you know, in previous years, I ran Western States. That was the goal, um, both in 2021 and 2022. And then, and then after Western States went well, I thought, Hey, let's add in TDS and let's add in UTMB. And I don't think that that is the, the approach that you need to have. You have to have in mind to do them. You're going to do them both. And the training for Western States is complimentary to UTMB. So that was my, my big, my big realization. I think the other thing was just our first, how fortunate we were to be able to spend time on the course at UTMB. That was definitely like the bigger learning curve for me. Mm. Um, so being able to spend time there on those trails, on those, just any, any long climb, not having to drive an hour each way to get the type of climbing that I needed to, and be able to recover in that time and do the other things I needed to do. All of that was, was pivotal to making uh, UTMB success. Amazing. So you being the contemplative dude that I know you are, as we close 2023, what are you thinking about? What are you meditating on? Do you have a new year's resolution? And is there, are there any goals for 2024 that you care to share with the audience? Um, yeah, I think, I think probably something that we're all struggling with is just like being on devices all the time. And that probably is the place that, um, that I need a lot more work with. And so that's, that's, it's not, sorry, it's not philosophical or anything like that, but I think it does have a pretty big impact of like, when we get connected with the, when we, when we're doing certain things a lot, it, it tends to shorten the amount of the other things that we, that used to bring us joy. You know, I guess yeah. that's kind of how it like addiction works. So 
man, I guess that's the one. It's a little heavy. <laughs> no, it's good. Or maybe not heavy. I don't know. It depends on how you look at it. Athletically, do you care to share any of your goals with the audience for 2024? Yeah, at the early? moment, um, well, I'm going, we're going to go to Hong Kong, race Hong Kong 100K. Hell so, yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. Um, when you, you say we, does that mean part. Rachel's racing also? Rachel's going to run the 33K cool. and use that strength that, for Black Canyon. Um, just like a little, little bit of climbing strength in there. Um, but she's obviously got some serious speed right now recently. Uh, yeah. So those are the, that's, that's kind of the immediate goal. I'm still kind of shaping this thing and man, on one side, I think it'd be really cool to kind of pay Rachel back for the many years of sacrifice that she's given me at Western States and to, um, and to, you know, if she were to to punch it punch a ticket to western states to to return that favor and then on the other hand she's kind of said like well you know you can if you're wanting to run it you can still run it um and i think that that would be a fun thing to share the course with her that day as well so there's a couple <laughs> a couple approaches there i mean I've been saying for a few years now, like, I think I've run enough Western States enough, but now I'm turning 40. And so there's a master's record to chase. Uh, so that's on my mind. And you well. got to get in the top 10 fastest times overall. That is a goal. Get the master's course record and in the top 10 overall times at Western States. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, yeah, that would be <laughs> amazing. See, you're and you're also, already setting up my storylines as I start to contemplate my broadcast experience there at Western States. Well, it's got to be a cool year. So <laughs> that's a part of it. But I mean, I was, what, 40 minutes faster than the master's record last year on a cool year. So, you know, maybe that evens out on a on a kind of average year. So that's an idea. Um, and then UTMB is still something that we're contemplating. But we've got a big move happening fairly soon with Rachel finishing medical school and us likely not a sure thing, but moving off to some other place in, in the country for residency. Um, so there's, it's an exciting time. I mean, we're kind of like, yeah, we're taking it a little kind of one step at a time at this point. Um, but a lot of exciting changes on the, on the horizon that I think will be, um, I, I, I grew up in Portland. I've spent some time overseas, but no, nowhere else in the United States. And that is, um, I think it might be a good opportunity for some like personal and family growth for us to be out somewhere different. Amazing, man. Turning 40 and leaving Portland for the first time, potentially. Well, we'll ask you to update us on that whenever you can make announcements. I'm sure yeah. there's a lot of trail towns that would love to have you too. I've been closing these conversations, Tyler, with a uniform question. And I was just asking you to give kudos or recognition to somebody on your team who doesn't get enough credit for the contributions they've made to the successes that you've experienced on the race course. If you could just shout somebody out to close our conversation. Yeah, that has to be uh, Jordan Carey, who has been um, a crew chief of mine for so many different races. And I mean, he basically puts any racing of his own on hold so that he can support me and other and and many of his other friends this is an incredibly loyal and, and supportive uh individual who has um i mean he traveled to chamonix for a few days to crew me yeah. <laughs> like it's it's that level of of commitment and um yeah just so appreciative of his support for me 
I was really hoping you were going to shout out Jordan at the finish line at Western States after you came through for another awesome second place. And I was there on the track, obviously, to do our finish line interview. And Jordan came to the barricade there. And uh, we just, I'm shaking my head like, God, this guy just doesn't miss. Tyler is just Mr. Dependable. And Jordan said, it's time to put some respect on this man's name. <laughs> so we're bringing our conversation full circle. Respect on Tyler Green's name. An amazing season. Congratulations on number nine of Trail Runner of the Year. Thanks, Dylan, for all the all the work you put in to this and 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 just elevating the sport. Trail Runner of the Year is presented by Ketone IQ, the groundbreaking endurance nutrition product that is taking the world by storm. Scientifically proven to support endurance and recovery, Ketone IQ is trusted by some of the world's top performers, from Navy SEALs and Tour de France cyclists to pro athletes across all major sports, including now many of the world's best trail runners. I use Ketone IQ daily in my training and during my working hours, often right before recording podcasts or basically anytime I need to be on my A game because that's what this is. Ketone IQ is A game juice. There's a bunch of research on their website, but a couple important stats to leave you with here. Ketone supplementation has been shown to lead to a 7% improvement in cognitive performance. They're 28% more efficient sources of energy than glucose, which you find in most energy gel products. And finally, ketones have been shown to produce a 2% improvement in endurance. You can find references to this literature again on their website. These are huge numbers that the sporting world is starting to wake up to. Ketone IQ is on the cutting edge. This is the future of sports nutrition. Take advantage by visiting hvmn.com forward slash free trail 30 for 30% off a subscription hvmn.com forward slash free trail 30. Ruth Croft, nice to see you again. Happy holidays and congratulations for being voted number nine in trail runner of the year. Yeah, thanks. And thanks to everyone who voted for me. As I was just saying, I was, <laughs> I was kind of surprised to be voted number nine because I don't feel like it's been, yeah, been a great year for me. It's funny, and you're not the only person, because I've recorded like 10 of these in the last 24 hours, you're not the only person to be surprised that they were voted in the top 10, but you had a spectacular season, as you typically do. You're so consistent. There was some highs and lows along the way, and we'll talk all about it, but maybe first just uh, tell us how you're feeling, where you are in the world as we wrap up 2023. Um, yeah, so I'm back home on the west coast of the South Island in New Zealand. I uh, got back here end of November after uh, Ultra Trail Cape Town, and yeah, I'm feeling in a lot better place physically and mentally compared to, say, 12 months ago even. Yeah, I want to talk about that, but quickly... I was texting with our mutual friend, Mile Backhausen today. And I said, Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm connecting with Ruth. And he said, Oh, you should ask her. She just completed a Vipassana just after ultra trail Cape town. You went into a 10 day sit. So maybe explain what a Vipassana is for people who don't know and what your experience was like going into inner space. Yeah. So Vipassana is, it's not a religion, a right or like a dogma or anything it is a technique um and it's where you go and you take a noble silence so it's you know speaking writing um talking you're not supposed to have eye contact or even hand gestures and you get woken up at four in the morning and you start meditating at 4 30 and you meditate through till 9 p.m um and you have obviously breaks throughout that but it's about yeah learning this technique and doing the inner work 
And it was my second time doing the fashion. Every year I go and do a retreat, normally around 10 days. Um, but yeah, it was very different <laughs> to the first time I did it. Uh, this time there was a lot less resistance. I actually felt like I got a lot deeper into the technique. And yeah, I just find in our day-to-day life, we are always outside of ourselves. We've always got emails to rep- respond to, like text messages, like, and then this is the only time I think where I'm ever I've got no commitments, no, yeah, nothing to do except for meditate and be with myself. No yeah. podcasts to record, things like that. No. Well, yeah. congratulations. That is a feat of endurance in itself. You probably know that my brother, I think, has done 12 of them at this point. So he is a seasoned Vipassana veteran, and he's always espoused the benefits that he experiences on retreat. And I've still yet to find the courage to go enter that inner space myself. But it's awesome. And and what a great way also to recover from Ultra Trail Cape Town, decompress from a long year and get ready for 2024. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend going from 100K to 100 hours of meditation four days later. <laughs> really? I mean, were you uh, were no. you like a little jittery? Was it hard to sit still after that? I was just jet lagged and just super tired. And so, yeah, it took me a few days to kind of like recalibrate. I slept through the gong one night and I had to come get woken up. But um, yeah, it just was quite intense to go from there. I think it would have been better to have a few more days recovery. Yeah. Well, it's a yeah. story for a different time, but my brother once went from a Vipassana to Burning Man. So uh, it's, oh, a, okay. it's a different experience <laughs> too. All right. So actually, you know, before we get to some racing stuff too, I'd love for you to just tell us about your experience in Japan too, because it seemed like a, a really fun group of people on a little fun adventure and a different change of pace. So tell us about that quickly before we start talking about racing. Yeah, so it was Andy Cochran who initiated it, and um, and it was with Desland and Tim Tollefson, Magda, and myself, and we did the part of the Nakasendo Trail, which is an old postal route from Nagano or no Nagoya up until uh, Tokyo, and so we did about a hundred and fifty k or so of it. Um, and it was, yeah, it was awesome. I think any of those trips, when you've got a good group of humans together, no matter where you are, it's a fun time. Um, and so, yeah, we got to eat really good food, um, run soaked in onsens and we're set, we were doing that on repeat for about six days or seven days. You know, I had dinner at the running event, sort of like a trade show here in the U.S. with Des not long after she had returned. I'd love to hear you just talk about, especially spending time with her and Magda. I don't know how much you had spent time with them in the past, but the three of you are, you know, really, I think, talented in a lot of ways, but also well-considered and well-respected people outside of being good athletes. Is there anything from the trip and especially interactions with Magda and Des that stick out? Um, No, it was actually really good to get to know them on a deeper level because I think with a lot of people in the running community, it's just normal, like, high by at events and so yeah I actually do remember we went into one sober house and we were sitting next to some Australians and obviously I started talking to them and um they were asking if we were runners and then and then Andy said that oh yeah that Magda and Des had been to the Olympics twice and then it was just so funny watching them just like just did not want to be in that conversation at all (laughs) but no it was it was awesome. Um, we had a lot of good times. And I think, yeah, as I said, you just get to know people on a deeper level, which is something I always appreciate. You can 
get beyond the surface. Yeah. Okay. So talking about running, you posted recently that the last 18 months, really since you won Western States has been difficult that you said something about like how you felt run down, like your immune system was a little bit compromised. So maybe just in a general sense, explain what running's been like for the last 18 months and, and why it has been a bit of a challenge. Yeah, so it kind of started after Western States in 2022. And um, yeah, I had issues with iron um, and then I'd start training and it just, I just felt like I was running through mud for quite a while. Um, and then I'd just get these bouts where, yeah, I just get really run down, um, get like mouth ulcers and everything. My immune system was just a bit shot. Um, and then when I came back to New Zealand, yeah, I started to kind of, get some answers on it, but I really had to dial back my training a lot. Um, I also changed coach and it's just been quite a bit. And then I'd get back into training and then get run down again. And so it was just kind of like this cycle and it took me probably till midway through this year to start feeling back to normal. Um, but obviously then I got sick again for UTMV. <laughs> and so it's just been like, just been a difficult year in that sense. Um, Felt, haven't just haven't felt like myself for quite a while and so for me Cape Town was I finally felt back to normal um just mentally and physically as well and did you get any answers as to what was potentially causing you to feel so run down because again like I, I know you're you're into you know health and and you know living sort of like a I don't know what the right word is, but maybe, you know, like the Vipassana is a good reflection of like paying attention to physical and emotional health and how that is reflected in our day-to-day -day life and our training and in our performances. Was there anything you learned from that experience? Yeah, it depends. Yeah, I could go on for a lot longer about this. Um, but I think a lot of it kind of stemmed from, I got COVID five weeks out from Western States and I didn't back off as much as I should have. And I just kind of kept training through for the most part. And then I went and raced a hundred miles in nearly 40 degree heat. And so that those two combined obviously was big stress on my body. Um, and then there's also some, also some emotional stuff going on as well. And so I think it was a lot of different things kind of compiled throughout that period. Um, and then also, yeah, that are reflected in my iron as well. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So talking about your racing, I, I sense that you're not totally satisfied with your season, but I'd love to hear you talk about like that build towards UTMB. Obviously that was the major goal of the year and we can talk about what happened before UTMB, but you had some solid races leading into it and just looking at how you structured things, I thought it was pretty intelligent, you know, building up in distance and sort of sticking to races that are well-timed leading up to, you know, what is the ultimate prize there in Chamonix. And, you know, so anything you want to say about like the, the race that you did in Annecy or the Zugspitz race, a race I actually went to in 2019 and think is a hugely underrated event and how you were using those as stepping stones towards UTMB. I'm sure people would love to hear. Yeah. So just because like normally in the summer in New Zealand is when I do my most, yeah, my highest volume kind of build the base and everything. And I hadn't been able to do that. And so for the year I really had to do, I didn't have like other main races that I would kind of normally do. I kind of had to do, yeah, just events that were going to solely serve the purpose of UTMB. Um, and so, yeah, I did the marathon at Annecy, in Annecy and that's just because 
we were there and it was like my first race back in Europe and I hadn't been doing a lot of volume even before that. And so it was kind of just a hit out. Um, and in Zugspitz, it essentially served the purpose of running through the night, which I felt was still a weakness of mine then. Um, and then, yeah, and then the goal was to do UTMB. And were you feeling primed going before you got sick leading into UTMB? Like, did you feel like you were ready for a special one? Um, I think it's always easier to look back in hindsight. And I think maybe I wasn't quite ready. Maybe my body had to put out another stop sign because I wasn't listening to it. I don't know, but I felt like I was ready, but I was also feeling very intimidated by the thought of doing it too. So maybe I wasn't quite as ready as I thought I was. Yeah. All right. So tell us what happened with the virus or the illness that you contracted in the week before the race. What what happened there? And maybe, uh, yeah, like how did it feel to have that disappointment on the doorstep of the biggest race of the season? Yeah. So... <laughs> Um, the virus was, I got a cold sore actually, and it spread all inside my gums. Um, and so all my gums were like blistering, um, and I had a fever and everything. And so I got that, it started happening like the Friday before, and then I was trying to be really positive about it, that I could turn it around. And so was Martin and <laughs> he was like, you got to be positive about this. And I was trying to be positive, but then on the, I think it was a Monday, the Tuesday, I was like, okay, we're going to move from being positive to being realistic here. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to run 170K on this. And I still wasn't right. Um, and so obviously I pulled the pin and everyone says to me, oh, like, you're so brave. But seriously, there was no other option. <laughs> yeah. There's no way I could have raced on that. Um, and so, yeah, it was disappointing. But I think these kind of things, they serve as a good test on how you move through it. And yeah, I think I, but when the gun went off, it's like, okay, like it's happened, it's gone. Um, and yeah, let's see what I could resurrect from the rest of the year. Wasn't it, it was 2022, the, right after you won Western States where you also pulled from CCC. So it's basically two years in a row where you at least had loose intentions of racing either CCC or UTMB and having to bail at the 11th hour. Looking ahead, assuming that you're probably going to be targeting one of those races next year, how are you going to put yourself in a position to not have three bouts of bad luck in a row? Well, CCC, to be honest, the previous years was never, I was never focusing on that. Yeah. It was like, if I felt great and it's like, I don't know, for me, I normally try to do one race a year and like Western States had gone well. And so I like, I don't know, you've, I've done a good race. So I was like, I don't need to turn around and do it again, like to try and do it again. Even it's mm -hmm. just like, sometimes I think you can get too greedy <laughs> and it's like, totally. I'd had a really, I'd had a really good good race and a good experience. And it's like, I just wanted to shut the season down then kind of and it was like, and build it up to it properly because that for me, that turnaround is quite short between States and, and even CCC. And so, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't that I got sick before it. It was just like, it was never really in the plan. It was like, if yeah. I was feeling amazing and, and that. So yeah, you yeah. got, you got I to think, feel the hunger going into it. It can't just be like, ah, oh, let's go around CCC for fun. Exactly. Exactly. It's not how I want it to be. And I want it to be an enjoyable experience as well. So talk about turning things around after the disappointment of UTMB, how you cha channeled it towards the great victory that you experienced down there in Cape Town just a few weeks ago. 
Um, yeah, so I think a big part of it was going to Japan and just having some fun because I think this year I'd been really focused on UTMB, so I was trying to bring that fun element back into it. Um, so even though I knew it wasn't going to be the ideal training, physical training, it helped me a lot mentally. Um, and then obviously I didn't actually have a lot of time in Cape Town to get in a lot of specificity um, for UTCT, but yeah, it all worked out in the end. It all worked out. Just another casual victory for Ruth Croft. So as we wind down, any uh, things that you want to reveal to your fans globally about where they might expect to see you next year? Any goals that you're thinking about here? New Year's resolutions that you're setting for yourself for 2024? Well, the goal is just to get to the start line of UTMB. <laughs> That'll be the first one. And then hopefully, fingers crossed, the finish line as well. Um, but yeah, as for the rest of next year, I haven't decided on that. It's just kind of, it's what I'm kind of putting together um, at the moment, but yeah, I'll be at some other races, but not too sure yet. So maybe just going a little deeper, just to entertain me, you know, if, if that's the goal, right, that's still nine months away from now. So what are you doing now with the intention of arriving in Chamonix nine months from now, ready to compete at the world's biggest hundred mile race? Cause typically I, I feel like this is the type of time of year when you're home in New Zealand, when you're like focusing on speed, I remember it's either last year or the year before you're getting ready for a road marathon or something like that. Are you like doing the, the speed block now? Or are you doing volume and, and hiking and sort of getting ready for UTMB in that way? Um, it'll be more of a speed focus and then transition once I get to Europe more into like hiking and, and more mountainous, more specific to UTMB. Yeah. So, so you'll be home, what, until... March or April, and then head back to Europe? Yeah, head back to Europe probably around May. And so be here for a while. Yeah. Cool. Well, Ruth, I could hang out and catch up with you for a while, but I appreciate you hanging out and, and uh, just discussing your season with us. And I wanted to congratulate you on being, uh, you know, recognized by the, the global cohort of trail running fans as being ninth in the world. And uh, I've been asking everybody the same closing question. That is just to, to give kudos or recognition to somebody on your team who exists behind the scenes that has helped you in your athletic journey and who, uh, you know, makes contributions to your success. Um, probably to Martin, actually, <laughs> this year. I think, yeah, he's been the one that's helped me a lot in the, the mental aspect of it, but also, yeah, picking me up around UTMB when it wasn't, yeah when it wasn't the outcome that either of us really wanted to. And so he's been a big support this year. Yeah. Well, say hello to Martin for me. Congratulations on a, on a solid year, even if it is a little unsatisfactory. I'm sure you'll channel it into a great 2024, and I look forward to seeing you out there. Thanks, Don. That's it for today. Tune back in tomorrow as the countdown continues for the 2023 Trail Runner of the Year presented by Ketone IQ. Speaking of which, don't forget, go get some ketones. HVMN.com forward slash free trail 30 for 30% off your subscription. Thanks so much to Ketone IQ for supporting the Trail Runner of the Year. Talk to you guys tomorrow. Love you. Bye.